Welcome back. Welcome back. <laughs> we love the, the Tim sound effects. Uh, welcome back to the FIT podcast. Followers in training is what that FIT stands for. And uh, we are glad that you're back. If you're a regular listener and you've listened to one of our podcasts before, we're especially glad that you came back after bearing with us through the first one. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, we're a little rusty at this one, what you say? Uh, rusty or new? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Can you be rusty and new? Probably, but they say a new broom sweeps the best, and I don't think that that's the case in this. Yeah, yeah I don't so. think we're sweeping anything except for... <laughs> yeah, yeah, anyways, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so we're glad that y'all are back, Tim and Judd here, but uh got a question for you, Tim. Yes. How does Moses start his morning? Um, with prayer. <laughs> he brews a pot of coffee. <laughs> I was a whole lot more serious than that than you were. Yeah, so my yeah. Apologies. Anyways, <laughs> we're both dads. If you listen to our first podcast, we talked a little bit about that, uh, that we have kids of our own so we are loving dad jokes and we didn't know each other when we named our kids and we named them the same name so yes yeah but now you're a dad of two almost well yeah as we're recording this (laughs) yeah yeah not yet yeah i am a dad of two but as this gets released i'm surely she's gonna deliver i mean the time is imminent right yes very very crucial but Anyways, we are, uh, again, the FIT podcast, and this is really, uh, it was Tim's idea. He came to me and had this burden for young people, and and there's so many people in the country that work out, that uh, fitness is their life, fitness is their goal. A lot of times, fitness is their God, but we'll save that for another podcast. Yeah. (laughs) Anyways, a little early in the podcast for that. Um. But he had this idea and this this burden, and it's really based out of First Timothy chapter four, uh, starting in verse six, that says, "If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith, and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths; rather, train yourselves for godliness." Verse eight: For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Verse 10, for to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. So that was his idea and it's based out of that just to to help followers in training as both of us are uh, serving in ministry positions, we are still followers in training, and right. I don't think you can ever be trained enough. You that's know, right. uh, so that's that's where this uh, idea came from, and we're going to just take different topics uh, each podcast and deal with those. Some will be uh, controversial, some will be relevant, maybe to what you're dealing with in your everyday life, and some may just be. Goofy and irrelevant, yeah, (laughs) totally. So, you open us in prayer before we get started? I will. Lord God, we love you, and we thank you for being present, and we thank you for being uh, relevant. Um, 
as we talk about things that are relevant and irrelevant, God, I just pray that your name be exalted, God, that the name of Jesus be lifted high through our words, and God, that uh, we have open minds, open hearts, and uh, that we can, you know, uh, train as we're training to be more like Jesus, God, that we as we grow closer that we uh we do things and, and understand scripture and uh that we treat each other um all in the ways that you mean for us god and that you will for us and uh god i just thank you for again this time and just pray that uh that one person that hears this may um have an open heart and open mind and that they may, may be affected eternally um, based off of the the words that you have for them to hear we love you and praise you and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> we talked in our last episode about faith and how, you know, you can't pray for a hole while you're leaning on a shovel, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, a very good topic. That was a, a topic that Tim brought and we discussed. And I just, I think it was very much needed and something that was on his heart and something that's been on my heart here recently and really uh, since I've been in the ministry is discipleship. And so kind of our topic we want to talk about today, we, we titled it Keeping the Commission Great. And uh, I hope we didn't lose any of you <laughs> with that title. Uh, and we we kicked around the idea of making the commission great again, but it's, it's, always, always, been it's always been great. And you can't make something that's great, great again. You know, it's it's never lost its value. And power and this idea of the commission, the great commission, you find it in Matthew chapter 28 in the last few verses, and it's right before Jesus ascends back to the right hand of the Father, and He gives us a direct command. And if you look through history, the famous last words of people, you know, famous last words of famous people, is often the most important thing that they said in their whole life. I think it was Beethoven that said, applaud friends, the comedy is over. And you look through these statements and they're often just full of remorse, you know, full of of regret. And what these people have tried to do is sum up in one statement, one final breath, what they wish they would have done in their life. People listen closely. And so if you can put yourself there in that crowd of people at the, when Jesus is giving the Great Commission, you would have leaned in close and you would have listened to what he was about to say because he was about to ascend. He was about to leave earth mm-hmm. after he had resurrected. Uh, Tim, you want to read the uh, Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20 is what we're basing this episode out of and talking about the importance of discipleship. You want to read that text? Absolutely, yeah. And I'm actually going to work on memorizing uh, verse 19 specifically. But starting in verse 18 of uh, the 28th chapter of Matthew, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of age. That just makes me, like, excited. Yeah. just fills my heart with joy. Doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is what we were called to do as believers. So what is discipleship? as you've you've heard before that Tim and I came from really different backgrounds, different upbringings, and, and so we probably approach Scripture different when we look at it. We've had different experiences, and when we read these things, you know, I, I was discipled from a pretty young age and, and had some great mentors, and then I, what was it like for you when you were newly saved? Man, um, I didn't even know I was being discipled. <laughs> 
like I had no idea that um, I, I knew God was real. I knew that Jesus died for my sins. I accepted that, right? I mm-hmm. accepted that fact, and I accepted that that uh, the you know I, I was a sinner and yeah. um, still am. I'm, uh, we always say oh, I was a sinner. Like mm-hmm. yeah, well. That, that sin was washed away, but I'm still a sinner yeah. to this day. Um, anyway, I uh, I made a friendship with a guy who just happens to be a country music artist um, through some weird ways. And um, I was a, I was in radio. I was an intern. It was fun. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I met him at a show, and we had a conversation. A few months later, he reached out and said, "Hey, do you want to uh, you want to go to Montana for a week? Um, t- uh, you know, run a shows." And so I agreed. And uh, at the same time, I hit rock bottom in my life and I um, you know the saying you don't know how much you need God until God is all you have Yeah, I hate that uh, part about me but I'm so thankful for that part about me because that part of my life was the worst part but the best part at the same time because I wasn't in a church and you know walked the aisle uh, or prayed a prayer um, the moment I was saved I was simply just told like hey have faith and turn from your sin yeah. and um, from that point forward I was led uh, through friendship you know who happened to be my boss? He was later in my wedding, and he just constantly, not con, you know, not convicting or condemning me um, with my actions. Um, he let me live out my worldliness through, you know, correction. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he didn't just, you know, I was really into, you know, alcohol at the time, and I was really into females at the time, and he didn't say, "Hey, you idiot, don't go talk to that girl." He just said, "Do you think that girl's?" who you should talk to. For example, you know, he wasn't he wasn't condemning me, but all along the while he was teaching me, teaching me, you know, hey, you you know, this is how I study scripture. Mm-hmm. This is how I have learned. I didn't know the difference between a Baptist and a Lutheran or a Pentecostal and a you know Methodist or mm-hmm. you know, I didn't know there was a difference between missionary Baptist and Southern Baptist. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay, I didn't know any of this stuff. <laughs> yeah. All I knew was that Jesus was real and he saved me and I, I knew that I had the, the Holy Spirit in my in my heart mm-hmm. and he taught me and literally you know a learner um, uh, is what I was mm-hmm. and uh, that uh, I was a growing uh, disciple yeah well and that kind of leads us to the the first question though no, I already asked you one question but the, the question that we're going to deal with one of them is what is discipleship? You know, because I think, uh, I, and I think it was John MacArthur that pointed this out, that there's a di- difference in discipleship and mentorship. Mm-hmm. Uh, a mentor is somebody that you look to for advice, that you maybe follow, that you look up to and admire, and they'll give you advice and you can maybe follow in their footsteps. But like you said, with the, the guy that, that helped you, he, he taught you to study Scripture and he taught you how he did it and, and poured into you. Mm-hmm. And so there's a, a difference in discipleship and mentorship. And the, the biblical definition of discipleship, I, I looked it up because in studying this, I was like, well, you know, what do we mean when we say go and make disciples? And the biblical def- definition is disciple is helping someone to progressively learn the Word of God to become a matured, growing disciple literally means a learner, a true Christ follower, to train uh, and to develop in the truths of Scripture and the lifestyle that's required, helping a believer learn to be a disciple of Christ in belief and practice. And so this is, it's intricate. You know, it's it's pouring into someone. It's praying that the Holy Spirit convicts them, like you said, when they've, they've kind of gone 
wayward, but teaching them how to study Scripture and helping them grow to be this more mature believer. And what was it? I mean, when were you attending church at the time? Or yeah, so that's actually the big part of uh, why my heart is so burdened for the fitness um, uh, in godliness, right, in training for godliness, because. For me, I was 19 years old when I first heard the full gospel. Mm-hmm. I was I grew up, um, and you know I love my grandparents, mm-hmm. um, and they were they were great examples for me. But early on in my life, I was kind of told, you know, you should believe in God, you should believe in God, and uh, I didn't understand. I didn't understand that I, you know, I, okay, so I'm saying like, oh, you know, my dad's number one rule, you know, no sex till marriage, you know. Yeah. And then, of course, what do I do when I'm in high school? You know, you just completely rebel your parents. Yeah. And so, uh, and follow, you know, the temptation uh, that Satan lays on you. And he knew that, I, I feel like, you know, Satan knew I was just an easy target, mm-hmm. okay. For me, at this time, I'm 19 years old, and I heard the gospel, and I maybe was saved, mm-hmm. and because that's what I believed, I, I, I heard. But for seven years... I went living my life completely the same. Mm-hmm. I was repentant after I sinned, mm-hmm. but then I committed the same sin again mm-hmm. the next day. And then I was repentant when I needed something from God the next day or what the next week or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. And I would, uh, I that's how I understood my relationship with Christ was that I'm forgiven, so I'm still cool to do whatever I need to do, yeah. but I'm forgiven until. Till I was discipled, mm-hmm. because there was a lack of discipleship. Go, you know, early twenties. Yeah. Yet you're saying that at church, that whatever church you were attending, there was no discipleship there. No. If I attended church. <clears throat> oh yeah. Okay, because I was under the understanding like you can go to church every once in a while when it's convenient for you. You know, I think the statistics are right now that uh, the average church-going quote unquote family mm-hmm. um, attends church two. Sundays a month. Yeah, Sunday mornings. Sunday Only, mornings. Yeah, yeah. Not any other church-sanctioned worship service or <clears throat> Bible study, and that's kind of what that was a overshot for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was like Christmas, Easter, and maybe a couple other other times a year. Yeah. And uh, so at that point, through this whole period, when I did go to church, there was multiple times I reached out to people, not even knowing what I needed, mm-hmm. but I reached out to try to build a relationship with a church member. Every time I was kind of pushed away. When I moved to Texas, I visited churches trying to find a home church, mm-hmm. never was welcomed. So, yeah. and it's not because of who I am, you know, literally not welcomed, like at the door, like, you know, it was uh, doors were open and I went in and sat down and three times walking in and out of the same church and nobody talking to me. Yeah. You know, like not even knowing I'm a new person mm-hmm. and not even acknowledging my presence. I was like, am I a ghost? Through that, I learned that through, you know, I want to focus more, even though I'm going to church every Sunday and every Wednesday and more involved now, teaching other people the way I was, was still, you know, living my worldly life yeah. and not obedient to Christ. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just then. And so now knowing what it's like to be discipled and continue to be discipled, I want to share that with others. Yeah. Well, that that leads us to this this two-part problem. So we've got one part where you cannot disciple somebody who doesn't want to be discipled and right. is not seeking it out. I mean, mm-hmm. I've dealt with that uh, through through some guys uh, that I've worked with and tried to, to help them and uh, minister to them. And if, if they don't want it, you can't give it to them. You right. know, it's like my little boy. When he eats his chicken nuggets, he'll eat three, four, five, however many he wants. 
and you can try to give him that fifth or sixth one and if he turns his head and keeps his mouth closed he doesn't want another one and you can't force it in his mouth it's the same thing with discipleship you can't disciple somebody who doesn't want to be discipled but like you said you were going you didn't know what you were seeking out what you were looking for as a new believer going into these churches and where we failed miserably which is the second part of the problem is churches are lacking in the area of discipleship mm-hmm. in a major way. Mm-hmm. I, I sent out a text as we were preparing for this podcast to about 10 to 15 pastor friends of mine, either pastors or ministry leaders in churches, and just ask, hey, you know, I ask a, a list of five questions, and we won't go through all of those, but I ask, how intentional are you personally about discipling people? I mean, are you finding someone two, three people, one person, anybody to pour into biblically? Are you meeting with them, studying Scripture, challenging them to memorize Scripture, and helping them grow in that area of maturity, you know, to become more mature believers? Because like we talked about in the last episode, you start, and Paul makes this comparison, like with milk, you know, like babies. And then you grow until you can eat the the more thick food, you know, the more coarse food. I ask, you know, how many of you are are doing this? Are you pouring into somebody? And all of them answered and said, you know, personally, we have at least two to three people at a time that we pour into and are working with. But then the next question, and this has been so sad, and I was afraid that it would be the case, but was hoping it wouldn't, you know. Mm-hmm. How is discipleship in your church? Like, have you made it a vision in your church? Have they picked up on it, and are they pouring in? Are the older, more mature believers discipling the younger ones? And and by younger ones, I don't mean age. I mean, if you've been a believer, if you're 30 years old and you've been a believer since you were 8 or 10, you're further along, even if this person is 70 years old and they've been saved a year, mm-hmm. you're further along in your walk with Christ than that person is. Right. So when I say younger and older, I'm not referring to age, although it could be applied there. Uh, but are, are more mature believers pouring into younger believers? And most of the pastors replied that it, it's a, a very weak area in their church or non-existent. Mm-hmm. almost non-existent. And that, that breaks my heart because there was a study done by the uh, Lifeway uh, back, I guess, in 2019. And at that point, over a 20-year span, the Southern Baptist Convention had baptized 7.1 million people. Mm-hmm. But at that time, numbers were almost at an all-time low. It's crazy. So that's proof that we've got great evangelists, that people are hearing the gospel. Apparently, I mean, if they're being saved and they're, they're going to church for a little bit, they're hearing the gospel. But the follow-up is terrible. Mm-hmm. We're not plugging them in. And, and I, there was a pastor in Tennessee at Long Hollow Baptist Church. His name's Robbie Gallaty. He has devoted much of his ministry to discipleship. What is it? What does it look like? How can your church get engaged with that? And uh, he made a statement that was powerful. And he said, could it be that we spent all of our time and our focus on teaching people what they're saved from and not teaching people what they're saved for? That's right. And so that's a, that's really been burden a burden in my life mm-hmm. here recently is this area of discipleship. Yeah, but I mean, at the end of the day, for the layperson or for the, for the church member, um, it's hard. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because... For me, it's hard. For you, it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard to uh, correct a brother. 
when they're you know maybe going down the wrong path mm-hmm. um, even though that's the most convenient time yeah. to kind of start to disciple somebody <clears throat> how are we to disciple you know I mean how what's what does that look like what does it look like for you yeah you know so I, well, I said earlier <clears throat> that there's a difference in mentorship and discipleship and that can be hard to distinguish sometimes but I was I had a privilege of of serving with some guys that have been in ministry a long time that really challenged me and convicted me early on in my ministry. So I, I think as a, a lay person, because with me and my position as an assistant pastor and, and you with facilities and then BSM, we're pulled a million different directions. And so a lot of times we'll use that to justify, well, I don't have time to pour into so-and-so because my attention is everywhere else. We have to be extremely intentional about finding someone who's hungry for the Word, who's trying to grow in their walk, and come alongside them and and help, you know, say, hey, you know, this helped me out early on in my ministry. And that may be grabbing coffee once a week and having a Bible study. You know, you don't have to meet for two hours, three hours, but say, hey, uh, let's go through Romans. Let's go through Acts. You know, pick a book. Those are just the first ones I thought Mm -hmm. off the top of my head. And start studying those together. Spend the week going through them and, and make time. Because we will make time for what's most important to us. Yeah. That's human nature. That's right. So we've got to be dedicated. And then you hit on something about bringing somebody, you know, correcting a brother who might be going down a wrong path. That is, in my opinion, one of the reasons that we don't, we're not as intentional about discipleship. Because a certain extent of discipleship is calling those brothers, those sisters back from the path that they're walking that's not honoring the Lord. Mm -hmm. And especially in today's society where we're judgmental and everything is uh, just, uh, oh, you're just judging me. Judge not lest you be judged. That verse is so quoted out of context all the time. But if you look at Matthew chapter 18, it gives us a, a guide for how to approach that, that brother or that sister who is walking down that path. And a lot of people have used that and said, oh, that's just being judgmental. Christians are just judgmental. The whole purpose of that was to bring that brother or that sister back into fellowship with God, back into fellowship with the church. It says, if if your brother sinned against you, go and tell him uh, his faults between you and him alone. And it gives this whole process of how we are to go about that. So when you're discipling people, and if they're open to discipleship, they'll be a little more open to corrective criticism. You know, Mm. for you to say, man, you know, I really don't think you should be watching that on TV. You know, it's not edifying, it's not honoring, or hey, you know, that music has filthy language in it. Is it really helping your walk with the Lord? And they'll know if you're taking the time to pour into them and disciple them and, and love them is key right there. If you do, uh, the Bible tells us if you do all these things and you don't have love, it's worthless. That's right. So if you're doing it out of to be judgmental, condescending, or to make them feel inferior to you as a young Christian, you're wrong. I mean that's just it. So we've got to we've got to demonstrate love in that, but be intentional. Uh, that's what's your question. I think is how do we go about it? We've got to be intentional about pouring into people. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, intentional, but also at the same time uh, be truthful. Right. Mm-hmm. Early, very early in my walk with Christ, his name is Curtis. Uh, mm-hmm. My you know my brother who literally discipled me uh, and still continues to. In that we just. It, to be intentional, I mean, it looked like, 
you know, him sending me whatever he was listening to uh, message-wise. Because what better way to grow and to learn than to literally listen to sermons? And we have all this technology that's readily available. So Mm -hmm. he sent me, and did I listen to every, did I listen to every, every YouTube video he sent me or every song he sent me? No. I did, you know, listen to a lot, and yeah. that helped me grow in a lot of ways early on. And not the Christian, Christianese language or the the terms or anything like that, but you know, it helped me learn the Bible. Yeah. And then also, you know, just sending, you know, verses that were maybe not even relevant to the situation, just what was being studied. You know, having conversations. You know, all of our conversations are, you know, we try to rid our life of any gossip or. <clears throat> Or anything like that, because and, and, that's pretty much what do you talk about all day? You know, if you're married, what do you talk about with your spouse? If you have a kid, what do you talk about with your kid, your buddies, you know, your coworkers? If you're not talking about work, what better thing to talk about, you know, at any time is your relationship with Christ. And so that discipleship, uh, that intentional discipleship with that one or two, three, four people, I think you get overextended. Mm-hmm. really well yeah absolutely but to uh, but to just as if we are training you know to if we want to run a marathon then we're going to you know start by running a mile and we're going to get better shoes because our we realized our old shoes were horrible for running a mile and then we're going to stretch maybe before we run the next time we're going to drink a lot of water we're going to drink pickle juice but if you <laughs> didn't know about running if you didn't have a coach which is what a disciple Er is right. I don't know if that's even a word. I just made it up. <laughs> you know, that's what a believer is. Yeah. Right? Is a coach for another believer, for a younger believer, to learn to be a disciple for Christ and believe in practice. So now, you know, as you grow disciples, because that's what it, we're making disciples mm-hmm. of all nations. So we're discipling people to go to disciple people to disciple people. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think we had talked about this a few days ago. Was it Matt Chandler that talked about you're making disciples? You know, around you. Mm-hmm. Are you making good ones or are you making bad ones? You know, right. uh, so you're you're making you're teaching somebody something, mm-hmm. and what is it that you're teaching them? Right. You know, and as believers, we've got to guard everything that comes out of our mouth, and because mm-hmm. Scripture tells us that we will be held accountable for everything that comes out of our mouth, right. and so we've got to be careful with that, and and be like we said a minute ago, more intentional about mm-hmm. pouring into these believers. Yeah, um, and we just have to do it. I, yeah. th- I know it's hard. I know it, yeah. it's hard enough to share the gospel with somebody because it's offensive, like yeah, you said. Right. Yeah, right. Because yeah. um, guess what? You know, fla- you know, newsflash: the gospel is offensive to some people. It is. Yeah, well, it's yeah. offensive to me. I mean, you know, and I'm a believer, but it's 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 literally it's an offensive thing to think about. You know, that I'm a wretched, vile sinner, right. and that I'm in need of grace i'm in need of a savior and that's not what the american dream teaches that's right that's not what modern christianity has taught it's taught that you've got a god-shaped hole in your heart and that if you want to be happy put on god put on jesus and he'll take all your problems away Mm -hmm. and that's a total total just joke you mean mean, like i'm gonna see a victory i'm gonna see a yeah, I mean, goodness, the, the victory was on the cross. That's right. You know, it's already, it's, yeah. it's already been won. Sorry if we just ruined that song for you. Yeah, um. <laughs> Tim ruined it, not me. But if look at John sixteen thirty three. It says, "In this world, you'll have troubles, you'll have struggles, you'll have tribulation, mm-hmm. but take heart, take be of good cheer, have courage." Well, however, whatever version you're reading from, 
I have overcome the world. Jesus has overcome the world. That's right. So if you're in Christ, yes, you, you'll see the victory because you've already seen it on the cross. I think that the modern Christianity has really hurt discipleship because it says, here, pray this prayer, repeat after me, we'll dunk you in the water, you'll be good to go. And there's no teaching people what they were saved to do. You know, yeah. and uh, I think you know. Growing up, we talked about the difference in discipleship and mentorship. I have uh, two very godly parents, and mentorship. I would think you know, following my dad around, who was a pastor of a small church, and raking leaves for people, or taking out their trash, or just following in his footsteps, watching. I think that was mentorship. You know, and he discipled me too. But every morning, I I haven't shared this yet, but I'm the oldest of ten children. And uh, every morning, my mom would sit around the breakfast table with all of us, and we would have what we would call Bible time. And we would study. We would start in Genesis and work our way through the Bible and just study verse by verse. That's discipleship, pouring Mm -hmm. into us and teaching us what Scripture says on every issue. You know, we were talking about this before the podcast, that you can find any advice you need in Scripture, you know, Mm -hmm. no matter what. I mean, it's, it's there, and you won't find any better advice. That's right. So, yeah, absolutely. You know, to, to hold each other accountable, that's the, you know, for anybody, right? And to dive deeper into accountability, though, it's really hard. So what's the difference between being accountability and judgy? Yeah, so that's that's tough. I actually, somebody asked me the other day, what's the difference in being judgmental and being discernful? Because being discernful, having being discerning, you've got to have an element of judgment because you make a judgment you know on on this so uh, accountability i think comes from what we talked about just a few minutes ago if you're discipling someone you've built this relationship you've built this brotherhood or sisterhood you know you're you're pouring into each other there's got to be an element of of love and respect for each other so if i was to just walk up to you tim and we had not met we didn't know each other that well and I walk up and I'm like, hey, you know, you shouldn't wear an Under Armour shirt in the church. He's going to be like, wait, what? What are you talking about? Well, I just don't think you should. Well, that's going to come across as totally judgmental. And where did I get that basis? You know, why Why did I just come to you and say that? There was that no actually reason. happened to me with the hat situation. Really? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. So, yeah, I started to bring that up, but I didn't <laughs> think that we should. But... Uh, so that's judgmental. But if I'm I'm building a relationship with Tim, we've we've gotten close over the last few months, and I come in and I'm like, look, man, you know, this is total assumption because he, I mean, total example, you know, because he's wearing an own Under Armour shirt right now. So that's the first thing that came to mind. But I, Under Armour does this or that or whatever, and I don't think you should wear it. Now again, that's just an example. That's the first. That's probably a poor example. But he knows that my intentions are, are pure, and I didn't call him out in front of everybody mm-hmm. to embarrass him. But we sat down and we talked, and he knows that, that I love him and that I appreciate him, and we have this respect for each other, mm-hmm. and we can talk about it. And so I think it comes down to just having that respect for each other and knowing that it's out of genuine concern. So I, does that... When, when, uh, when that genuine concern... Um, and that the knowledge of that genuine concern comes into play is when uh, I might be falling, or you know, Psalm twenty three says that uh, He leads me to green pastures, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember I didn't read that Psalm twenty three. It's very, you know, it's a known passage. But before I was saved, I still 
knew that I wanted God to keep me on the path that he meant for me because God means for everything to be good for me, right? That's a, That was my thought. <laughs> In that, through sanctification and through, you know, being discipled, I've learned that part of accountability is personal accountability and um, confessing those sins to my brother, you know, to a friend, yeah. to, to be able to know that I have to, you know, Ultimately, I'm going to have to answer for everything one day. Everyone will, regardless yeah. of if you believe, right? right? However, I answer for it on a daily basis and um, to a friend, you know? And yeah. so, so when he looks at me, he's like, you know, hey, you know, how many times have you opened your Bible between Sunday and Sunday? And you're like, oh. You know, one time I sat down with a family at dinner, and all of a sudden they, you know, this I hadn't spent much time around them, but, they, you know, they just go through. The dad asks first kid, you know, what are you studying? And it goes around the table and it gets to me and it's like, uh, what am I studying? You know, because it's not like you could just fire off some lie because it's going to be like, oh, yeah, what, well, what's that about? You mm-hmm. know, and, you know, you better be on your toes and you better become prepared because that accountability, it means something to somebody because, you know, Satan is all the time pulling us in every different mm-hmm. direction. Yeah. Like I said last episode, the world is loud around us mm-hmm. and so to be able to stay focused but uh yeah. your wife's not in labor is she no she's not i just got a phone call and i said yeah no she's not she's uh, good okay she good. wanted to see what i wanted for dinner so. oh tell her pizza that's what my wife said that we're having <laughs> there so you go i'm lucky to get to go home to have some pizza so does accountability play a role in the uh, role of discipleship i think we just uh you yeah. know answer that and yes yeah. yeah, so if you're looking you know to disciple somebody maybe you're thinking there's a burden on your heart right now that you're thinking there's somebody in your life that could grow in their walk with Christ that could grow closer to Christ and uh, that accountability that you can you can maintain it you know helping them be accountable mm-hmm. does play a big role in discipleship I yeah. think it's a uh, Probably the biggest big, biggest role is to just hold them accountable because again you can't you you can lead a horse to water but you can't make them drink right so <clears throat> we can be better at uh, seeking discipleship or cultivating a heart for discipleship in our churches just by on a w- one person basis right each person um, starting from you right mm-hmm. from yeah. me from yeah. Joe Harry I don't know um, <laughs> every that's not a real person but. It's everyone's job to go out and make disciples, Mm -hmm. right? Um, To go out and share the gospel, basically, is what that, you know, Mm -hmm. share the gospel and grow people closer to to God. And -hmm. and I find great joy, not because I'm, you know, oh, I'm training somebody or I'm teaching or I'm coaching. No, because it fills my heart because I, at the same time, am growing closer in my walk with Christ. Yeah. That's good. Uh, the the common misunderstanding is, and I've heard it preached before, and I don't think it's out of ill intent. I think it's just out of ignorance that the command in that passage is to go. And if you're going, then nothing else matters. You know, if you're just going and being obedient and whatever, then that's fine. We're called to be obedient, absolutely. But the command, if you look at that sentence structure in the original language, and I'm not I'm no Greek scholar by any stretch of the means, you can go look this up on. Bible Hub, just like I can. Uh, but that phrase is, as you are going. In our translations, it will say something like, go ye therefore, or go and make disciples. But that phrase is translated, as you are going, while you're going about life, while you're on this journey of life, make disciples, teaching them and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then the, the comforting part at the end of it is, and lo, or and behold, I will be with you even 
to the end of the age is awesome. So you can rest in that, that as you're discipling somebody, that God is with you. I mean, that's what his name means, Emmanuel, God with us. You know, mm-hmm. he's with us. He's left his Holy Spirit here to guide and to comfort us and teach us and give us discernment. I think that's the one of the challenges that we want to leave you with today is uh, if you're not being discipled, if you're a young believer, uh, go find somebody, whether it's your pastor whether it's a deacon in your church, somebody that you know is a, a sound biblical teacher, go to them and say, I'm really struggling to grow in my faith or I want to grow in my faith. Can you connect me with somebody? Would you take the time to help me study and approach them about that? And it's sad that it has to be sought out, but maybe by doing that, you'll make some people realize, some pastors, some lay people in the church this is an area we need to improve on, and then and if you're that if you're that person who's a more mature Christian, then uh, go and find somebody to to pour into you. Right? Yeah, and you don't have to go up and say, "Hey, I want to disciple you because you're no. immature," but you can just approach them. You know they're a young believer. Go up and say, "Hey." Uh, I noticed you've, you're a believer. You got saved recently or whatever. Would you like to start meeting and, and studying Scripture together? Let's just go grab a cup of coffee. Yeah, let's get coffee. Or, text yeah. them, you know. That's a big thing, you know. Call it yeah. and say, hey, you know, how, how's your walk been? Because yeah. I'm not meaning for it to be convicting, but if you're, you know, if you're <laughs> maybe not studying hard or at all, uh, that could be kind of convicting. Yeah. Not, not my goal, but it does happen. But Yeah, for um, sure. Awesome. Well, let's yeah. keep the uh, commission great. That's right. And, uh, go make disciples. <laughs> That's right. Uh, you want to pray and let's get out of here? Yeah, let's do it. Go right. ahead. God, we're so thankful for your word God, that uh, you spoke to us and uh, commanded us to um, go and make disciples uh, for you, God. We are so thankful that we have the opportunity to do so freely in this country. God, that's a thing that not a lot of places on this earth have is the freedom to share the good news with with anyone and everyone that we will choose, even though that uh, it it may be hard, even though that it may be confusing. um, God, you still make a way for us to be able to do it. So, um, God, I just pray that you be with us um, in our discipleship and as we are discipled. Um, God, I pray that uh, your name is lifted high and that uh, you are um, brought glory and honor um, through our actions and through our words and through our thoughts. And uh, we just, again, we love you and we praise you and pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.